0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our Convention of States podcast, that Provident Article. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision, with a general view on the phrase convention for proposing amendments and specific focus on the Convention of States Project. My name is Paul Hodson, a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas, first as a district captain and now as co-director in the great state of Texas. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5, to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement, and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. For more information regarding the Convention of States project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. We welcome your participation in our podcast, including calling in at phone number 914-205-5632. You can also contact us by email. My email is director.tx.paul. At tx-cos.com, my Twitter handle is at director tx paul. You can find this episode and all our previous episodes at www.blogtalkradio.com/texasdc for HD 58, or on iTunes. Search for that provident article. All of the music you hear is brought to you courtesy of America's most patriotic rock band. ...endorsers of the Convention of States project, Madison Rising. Please visit their website at www.madisonrising.com. We begin each episode by reciting the pertinent information from Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. The Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states... ...shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes... As part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states, or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. And then we read our our own specific application that we have. The legislature of the state of fill-in-the-blank hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States, for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. And welcome to the, That Provident Article for December 12, 2015. As usual, we'll begin with our news for the Convention of States. I remind you that the best place to get your news and to stay up to date is at the Convention of States website, www.conventionofstates.com backslash news blog, or you can go out on the main site under the about news tag on the, on the left-hand menu, pull that down, and one of the first options there that you can pull up is news, and it's got a listing of all the news in chronological order, the most recent up on top. I want to just highlight a couple of the news articles that are out there. The first one is Professor Rob Nadelson. He has been writing some articles, a six part series he has. This is in anticipation that we will have another flurry of Article 5 filings in the state legislatures coming up here in January and February. If you remember, at the beginning of this year, we had a whole slew of these occur over a period of about eight to to nine weeks in which 30-plus states filed with their state legislatures. So Professor Nailson has written this six-part series. It's going to cover the full breadth of Article V history. The first two parts have already been posted on the Convention of States website and at the Washington Post. I think he's going to release two a week as we head through the Christmas break. And the other story we want to highlight there from this week, there have been multiple multiple reports that President Obama is getting ready to propose an expansion of background checks on gun sales uh, and that is without congressional approval he is seeking the best way to do that without upsetting too many people but of course we all know that that is again another unconstitutional move and even having congress approve something like that we would believe goes against our second amendment rights that is something which needs to be put to the states and really it needs to be something which would be dealt with through an amendment process which of course, our application is not – it would not be germane under our application to do that. This is an overreach, again, of the authority of the federal government. And we're going to go ahead and move along now into our presentation portion of the show. We want to, again, remind you that we are covering the history of who says it's a constitutional convention. And we want to talk about and review what we've, what we've discussed the last three weeks. Multiple instances in the last 45 years or so of the phrase constitutional convention used by both progressives and conservatives and people who love the Constitution. So it has come into vogue as being a phrase that's being used. The importance of language definition in framing an argument or defense, as Voltaire said, if you wish to converse with me, define your terms. And that's why we want to uh, understand where this phrase came from, why it's coming to use, and how that's being used to frame the argument and frame the opposition to an an Article V convention for amending the Constitution, a convention for proposing amendments. There is no evidence of that phrase constitutional convention being used in any Article V applications before the year 1903. In the handful of applications using that phrase between 1903 to 1910, those were very much uh, specific to the 17th Amendment push, which ended up the direct election of senators rather than being elected by their state legislatures. But after that, that phrase again disappeared until 1975. There is no evidence of that being used again in applications until 1975 and, and the push for the balanced budget amendment. Further review, beginning in 1939, there were multiple Article 5 efforts in the states for several different issues, including a repeal of the 16th Amendment, presidential term limits, streamlining Article 5, and reversing overseeing Supreme Court decisions. Uh, in response to these efforts to curb federal power, these efforts by the states, a disinformation campaign was started by members of Congress, Supreme Court justices, and left-leaning educators and influential writers. That campaign began with Congressman Wright Patman from here in Texas, 1951. It continued with law professors Charles Black of Yale and William F. Swindler of the College of William and Mary. But the common thread in this campaign was the rhetoric that a, quote, convention proposing amendments, that's the phrase from Article 5, was, quote, fascist, quote, reactionary, and would, quote, rewrite the whole Constitution. And that last phrase, we've heard that, we hear that today, and that's where that began, was back in the 50s and then into the early 60s. And why was that? Uh... We'll get into that in a few moments. That first phrase, the first phase culminated with Swindler's Georgetown Law Review article in '63, where he declared, quote, "Only a federal agency, Congress, as provided by the Constitution, is competent to propose,, unquote, "amendments." And the convention procedure should be disregarded as, quote, "no longer of any effect." Unquote. And as we discussed last week, this is pure and simple. We aren't smart enough to know how to work this. We need to trust Congress to do this. They are the only ones competent to propose amendments. Uh, a complete disregard of the facts of the Constitutional Convention and, of course, what George Mason stood up on September 15, 1787 and said it was dangerous to leave it in the hands just of Congress. They would never propose amendments of the kind which would be needed to curb their own power. So we're going to continue no longer a review at this point, continue from that point on in the early 60s, that was 1963 when those law articles came out, around the same time, Chief Justice Earl Warren, he was addressing the American Law Institute, and he urged the American Bar Association to speak out to prevent the Constitution from being, quote, changed unwittingly, unquote. Of course, unwittingly means that uh, instead of using wits, common sense again, uh, again, that's a that's a slap in the face at the at the American people, at the state legislators that they just don't have the skill to do this. He further stated in that that's, that that uh, while he was addressing them that speech that Article Five provision for an amending convention, if quote used unwisely by an uninformed public, could soon destroy the foundations of the Constitution. Unquote. So again, we have that that rhetoric from progressives, from liberals who say that we're just not smart enough to be able to do this. It is it is too dangerous to leave it in our hands or in our minds. Leave it to the professionals. On to something fascinating, the, the Everett Dirksen campaign against reimportionment. And I appreciate Rob Nadelson, Professor Rob Nadelson, and his work. And one of the works which he has cited as being an influence to him is a book called Constitutional Brinkmanship by Russell Kaplan, written in the late 80s, and uh, Kaplan wrote a lot and did a lot of research and historical uh, deep diving, and, but this was before the Internet was really available, and pulled up a lot of fascinating history on Article 5, and this campaign from the late Senator Everett Dirksen uh, is, is pretty interesting political intrigue. So in the early 60s, and we, and we discussed this the last several weeks, The Supreme Court made several rulings, and it was relating to the equitable apportionment of state legislatures. In effect, they, the Supreme Court, were stripping the authority of the states to determine apportionment. And they did this by providing relief to citizens who could appeal to the courts under the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause. And this was seen as a means in which they wanted to uh, aggregate as much power as they could in the urban areas. And, of course, that would typically mean Uh, More power to the more progressive elements, the the more liberal elements of the citizenry and leave out the, the rural areas, the more conservative areas. So the states, of course, pushed back against this. The opponents of this intrusion, they sought relief of their own through constitutional amendment. And we've discussed earlier, a couple episodes ago, three state rights amendments were proposed to streamline Article 5 to create what was called a, quote, Court of the Union, which was a check of the Supreme Court, and to remove apportionment from federal jurisdiction. So that was directly aimed at those cases where the Supreme Court was ruling, which were stripping the authority of the states. They really wanted to go ahead and and repeal those through an amendment. By 1964, the Council of State Governments was recommending a specific amendment, quote, permitting one house of a bicameral state legislature to be apportioned on factors other than population." Unquote. Now, this council of state governments also provided a guide for states on how to file an Article 5 application. They even went ahead and got a public relations firm to help them out. Well, in 1965 and again in 1966, Senator Everett Dirksen, he introduced this same amendment in the Senate, going through Congress. Now, he failed to garner 2 thirds votes necessary to be considered for his proposal. And at the time, he warned them, quote, just as old soldiers never die but fade away, this issue will not die, neither will it fade away, believe me, unquote. And around this time, in 1964, there were already 16 Article V applications had been filed with Congress. But Congress was not tabulating the applications. They were not keeping track. Now, for whatever reason, they weren't keeping track. They weren't considering it serious. They weren't really paying attention, unknown, but that's going to play into the hands of some of this political intrigue. Also, at the time, some of the state legislatures who were filing these applications, they were unaware of the implications of the resolutions they were passing. Some of them thought they were merely expressing disagreement with the Supreme Court decisions. And, And as such, at times, these resolutions were giving very little consideration before being passed. They didn't necessarily go through committees. They weren't given a lot of scrutinizing. Uh, Some of them went through within hours in in one house. They figured if if one house of their legislature had passed it, the other house could just go ahead and and cruise it on through and not, not take their time. And those of us who've been in the Convention of States fights in various state legislatures realize that that is not the case anymore. None of these fly through without any type of contention. Just showing that there was not much attention being given at the time to what was happening. So Senator Dirksen, ever the shrewd politician, if they're not going to pay attention, he planned to keep that entire campaign quiet until the two-thirds thresholds of states would be met, and at that time he was going to make a dramatic announcement that the requirements for an Article V convention had been met. So this was his plan. If they're not going to pay attention, he's going to go ahead and, and work behind the scenes, get the states to file these applications and then he's going to make the announcement. Hey, it's time for an Article Five convention. Produce the documentation, and they'd all be caught not being aware of what's happening. Well, March of '67 comes along, and the 32nd state filed its application against uh, reapportionment. And now the campaign began to attract publicity nationwide, including a front-page story in the New York Times. And of course, the New York Times, uh, all the uh, all the folks who love federal uh, federal growth, the growth of the government, uh, they aren't going to be happy reading about that in the New York Times. So we've got Senator Joseph Tidings from Maryland. He argued that applications from the states that were directly affected by this, these apportionment rulings should be rejected. This was, And this happened to be 26 of the states which had filed. So uh, just because this is a ruling which affects you, that means you shouldn't have a voice. Um, again, the elite saying that they know better than the people who are actually affected by it. Senator Robert Kennedy, he went ahead and stated and, and argued in Congress, quote, they, Congress must possess the power to rule upon the validity of the submitted resolutions, unquote. And as well, he stated that, quote, Congress is justified in this case in setting a very short time period, certainly of no more than two or three years, unquote. Now, again, there's nothing in the Constitution which gives Congress that power, over an Article 5 application or over a convention being called under Article 5. He just made that up and saying that, again, the argument is, we are the ones who have the ability to make this judgment, not the states, not the people. Leave it to us. Leave it to the professionals. And weighing in on this as well were Senators William Proxmire and Jacob Javits, and they expressed that ever-ready reason that, that people give even now fear. Well, the convention could not be limited in theory or practice to the subject of apportionment. It's going it's to run away and you don't know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, it appears that Senator Dirksen actually agreed with this assessment and stopped pushing so hard. Well, by 1969 though, Iowa's application brought an Article 5 amending convention within one state of the threshold. But then, taking up that uh, idea of fear, some of the states began rescinding their applications. They were concerned of an Again, if you know any of your uh, recent history, and by recent I mean in in our lifetime, the 1968 Democratic Convention was a scene of great chaos and great great protest. It was televised nationally, and many of these state legislators began being concerned that uh, there were going to be these type of disruptions, uh, much like the Democratic Convention, and and they did not want to have this type of spectacle televised to the nation. And believe it or not, I have seen presentations in the last, well, in this current year in which scenes from that 68 democratic convention have actually been played the video and the person presenting in opposition to our convention of States application. The person presenting says, see, this is what a convention will look like. They're still using the same arguments, folks. They still have the same fears, nothing new under the sun. Well, All of this activity prompted another senator, Sam Irvin. Uh, You may, if you are old enough to remember the Watergate hearings, he was the uh, chief prosecutor on the Senate side, uh, an old grizzled Southern Democrat. Uh, Well, he introduced in the late 60s a bill called the Federal Constitutional Convention Act. So at this point, because of the seriousness of the uh, number of applications and the concern which Congress had, they wanted to see if they could start taking a, a hold and, and giving themselves some control over the process. And this bill is a comprehensive legislative framework for a national convention. And over the years, this bill in some form has been reintroduced. Sometimes it passes the Senate, you know, only to die in the House of Representatives. So there's never been a bill coming out of Congress uh, attempting to provide some guidelines for a national convention. And our contention would be that even if one did come out, we would immediately contest it in court as that is out of the purview of the Congress. They do not have a say in how can, a, an amending convention can be held. So attribution, uh, again, I went to Rob Nadelson's uh, terrific argument, uh, his, his terrific article, I should say, on this that he has, and, and you can find that on the Convention of State site. Uh, and I have the attribution there in the attribution slide. And also, uh, I was just so thankful. As actually today, as I'm recording this, uh, I got my copy of Constitutional Brinkmanship. Turned to the pages which uh, which Nadelson had cited. He is so great with footnotes. Turned to the pages and dove in and uh, went into the depths of that story. Some fascinating political intrigue. Uh, I happen to remember in the back of recesses of my mind. Senator Dirksen, even though he passed away in 1969, and I would have been fairly young, but I do remember his name, and I'm now beginning to wonder if it was in conjunction with what was going on here, because this sounds like this was actually a fairly big deal at the time, the Article 5 push and the push by the states, and Senator Dirksen was right in the middle of all that. And we're going to save some time here, go to the phone line, so that's the end of the presentation for this week. Reminder, our call-in line is 914- two zero five five six three two we've got some ground rules to speak respectfully keep to the subject which is article five convention of states if you want to talk about this particular discussion of where that phrase constitutional convention came in and all that goes along with it the disinformation campaign uh, we want to encourage dialogue to pause and listen to each other a preview obviously we're not quite done with this series yet which is perfect we've got uh, next week will be the week before christmas We'll do another episode. I'm going to try and wrap it up. And then I'm thinking that uh, Christmas time and New Year's, I may replay a couple of the interview segments, the interview podcasts I've had or portions of those. And I'm already lining up some interview segments for the month of January. It's probably going to be all interviews during January. Um, uh, some different folks have already done one interview, which I've got uh, stashed away. And I've already got a couple others that I have planned to try and, and get through uh so phone lines are open 914-205-5632. All right, we're here live. Um anybody wants to call in? Again, 914-205-5632. I appreciate the folks who have been listening, some feedback I've gotten mainly on Facebook. Uh, I do appreciate and and even some folks I've seen in person. Uh I hope these hope these presentations are are helpful to you. If you ever want to get a copy of those, I do have those available, and I can email you the PowerPoint presentations to go along with the actual audio. Maybe just the PowerPoint you might even enjoy more than the audio. Don't know. Um, nobody's calling in at the moment. I'm not going to hang out a whole lot longer. Um, I hope to have – I hope to have uh, – to finish this uh, this particular series on what, who says it's a constitutional convention – Next week, but I don't know if that's going to happen. If it doesn't, probably carry it over to either the day after Christmas or the day after New Year's, those Saturdays. And we'll see. We'll play it from there. And as I I said uh, in the closeout before this phone session, I do have interviews lined up probably through all of January, or at least three or four weeks in January, three of the Saturdays. Uh, I've got one that I'm already really excited about playing I uh, had a great interview with someone earlier this week that I've recorded and going to edit it down. I uh, have some other folks who have committed that they will do some interviews. I've got to try and nail them down and, and get those recorded and uh, some good stuff. I always think these the episodes in which someone else is talking besides me, uh, I I like those better. So I don't know if other folks do. I'm going to go ahead and let Madison Rising close us out uh, with America the Beautiful. And that will do it for another episode of That Provident Article. We want to, again, give a thank you to Madison Rising. Go visit their website at www.madisonrising.com. I especially want to, again, send you to www.conventionofstates.com. If you haven't volunteered, if you haven't signed a petition, become a supporter, please go out there and do so. Get involved with your state legislatures. Get involved with your state team in whatever state you're in and again a big thank you to the texas convention of states team thank you to all the listeners here we appreciate it and we'll listen to madison rising and america the beautiful